Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. This is our final Connecting the Universe interactive class for the year. So I really appreciate everybody this year as we transition from Beyond the Shadows into Connecting the Universe as we've hosted it on the Connected Universe Portal, ConnectedUniversePortal.com, and have expanded out onto other platforms with the with the podcast version of this now that it's syndicated on several other platforms. Really absolutely appreciate that. Of course, uh, the one the other week that we announced was the the UnX network. So we appreciate that. Uh, of course, we've been on uh, KGRA and KPNL as well. And then you can find the audio version, of course, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of that. But we really appreciate those that are here for the actual live presentation. They get all the people that get the video clips and they get the photos. They're able to ask the questions there down in the chat room. We absolutely absolutely appreciate those that are members of the connected universe portal you listening later can be a member of that as well connecteduniverseportal.com come join us out here every wednesday night eight o'clock p.m except for the next three weeks during the holidays uh this will be our last one until january 12th so all right so the Topic of tonight, I called it Matrix of Connections for a couple of different reasons. Uh, you know, really what this show is, it's kind of like a, uh, what this class is, is a year in review type of a class as we cover topics that uh, we have throughout the year, uh, kind of almost like a review, but uh, a couple of reasons why calling it the matrix and, uh, you know, kind of going into that whole idea of, you know, simulated universe. Of course, the new matrix movie is coming out here uh, next week. But uh, if we are living in a simulated universe, and even actually, if even if we're not really, um, but I believe we are, everything's connected some way, shape or form. There's a part of us that's in the universe and there's a part of the universe within us, which is kind of that idea of the matrix simulated universe, all that, that uh, each individual part is uh, a part of the whole and is, you know, one almost seamlessly working program, uh, which has glitches. You know, we talk about the glitches in the matrix, uh, but also, uh, another reason why I, I bring this up is uh, the Ouroboros, that uh, recycling of the nature of things, which is becoming a bigger part of uh, of the connected universe. That this is a topic that we've explored here this year. We will continue to explore more in the future as we go on. Uh, but again, talking about the new matrix movie coming out the whole uh what we learned about it in the previous films and it looks like it's coming to fruition here in uh, the new one is that idea of this constant renewal of uh you know of their world so it was explained to us the uh what was in the second movie that uh this was the sixth time that they had gone through this this process of of the one with this newer movie it appears that this is the seventh go around for so we'll see how that plays out and i love this photo here with the uh the coffee shop called the simulate uh very very cool i, I really enjoy that so of course here is the depiction of the of the multiverse so we will touch on this briefly throughout you know is each little universe, uh, its own little matrix, its own little program. Uh, th this is interesting that I've kind of touched on this idea here uh, a little bit more lately because I don't necessarily believe that there are multiple versions of us running around, but there is the possibility if you get into our uh, quantum physics, you can mathematically show that there is the possibility of different physical universes. That doesn't mean that there are multiple versions of us running around, but multiple universes, possibly. So 
Uh, you already have uh, some comments down in here. People wishing each other uh, happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, and all those wonderful things. So, uh, yes, uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to all of you as well. So, all right, let's get into this year in review and how all of these things that we've done over the last 365 days are really connected to each other. We're probably not going to have time to dive into everything. I've loaded up a lot for this particular show. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this particular class. I always call it a show because Edge of the Rabbit Hole is the previous night. And that is a show. That's a live stream show where we interview people. But you started off with the Shadow Dimension. Uh, the Shadow Dimension docuseries now streaming free on Tubi TV. People were also able to access that on, uh, on Vimeo, Cossum, Zuzu. Uh, where else? A couple other places. Supposed to eventually be on Plex. They picked it up, but haven't actually released it yet for some strange reason. But there you go. Uh, Shadow Dimension docuseries. So this is our examination of the shadow entity phenomenon. My whole beginning of the year was editing this thing. Just ask Nicole. I was like every single night for hours editing this series, six-part docuseries. So I'm going to start you off with some clips here to kind of remind you of uh, the Shadow Dimension, what we talked about, uh, almost like a little preview segment. I believe a true shadow person is an interdimensional being, and that's what this research is coming down to. How can we interact with other dimensions and beings from other dimensions? We're going to be going to locations that are known for portal activity that have that welling of the Earth's magnetic core to create that vortex energy that creates these portals and other supernatural activity in highly concentrated areas like this. This is why the ancients would create these sites of power like Stonehenge and Karnak, the pyramids, because they knew that this was a highly energetic spot to be able to tap into the Earth's magnetic field. Now in ancient Egypt, they had the idea, the concept of different parts of the soul. And with Egypt, there were seven different parts to the soul. And one of those was the kabit or the shadow part of the soul. And this would stay here on earth after the person had gone on into the afterlife. When we go back into our ancient history, we do have accounts going back into the ancient Babylonians where they could travel from this place into a dimensional space between worlds called the Plain of Sharon, like the Rose of Sharon. Now, in the ancient Egyptian texts, we know in the fifth dynasty pyramid texts that we find over in Saqqara, they talk about a field of Mufkuts. There is this other space that you could say, we can leave the body or go from these two worlds. So the Egyptians believe that at death, parts of the soul would start making that transition into the afterlife in their journey to the constellation Orion. However, the animating force behind the person, the, the Ka and the Kabit parts of the soul, the shadow part, would actually remain here on Earth to Rome. So you can already start to see some of the supernatural aspects of this idea of the animating force being left on Earth to roam around at will. It's absolutely fascinating to me that directly below where Carolyn got thrown during the sands gone bad, which is also directly below where Carolyn stood when she saw the colonial family, is an open well surrounded by limestone and granite, granite being 55% quartz. This is like a perfect setup for a powerhouse of energy. When we look at a site that already has energy coming through it, maybe from ley lines, uh, you know, these sort of places that have a spring or a well underneath them. And then when you combine that with granite, granite is this conductor of insulator of electromagnetic energy because of the silica, because it works like those silicon microchips, that this is basically magnifying that energy, it's amplifying it, and these entities can just come through, they can manifest a lot easier. 
When we look in the ancient world and how they built their temples, and we're talking about pyramids here, we're talking about obelisks, these places and how they built them and where they put things was no accident. They were tapping directly into these energy fields and circuits on the earth. Not only does it make it easier to travel between dimensions, but I believe this is one of the key fundamental principles of how they powered up stargates on this earth. I believe that what we are seeing with these ancient consciousness technologies and transmitters or transmuters of energy that were tapping into these energy fields on the earth, they were essential pathways. They were highways. There's these areas of the earth that were very important to this, a grid, you could say, and they were sort of plugging into it, uh, that these, these very specific places of power. So if you look at areas like where the Giza Plateau is in Egypt, that's over in Africa, you know, this is an area that our geologists and others say should be riddled with earthquakes, it should be surrounded and filled with earthquakes, and there should be fault lines across there, but there are no earthquakes there. There are very specific reasons for why they built the Great Pyramid, where it is, in its configurations, and very specific places where our ancient temples are located. These places are tapping into fields of unbelievable energy, and I believe they're still active to this day. It's a big preview <laughs> for those that haven't already seen the Shadow Dimension. That uh, was quite a lengthy clip, or several clips really, uh, put all into one. And uh, my good friend Johnny Enoch uh, had quite a few things to say. And there are a lot of great people that were a part of the Shadow Dimension docu-series. Uh, you know, Nicole was a part of it uh, down there in the chat. Tom uh, McNicholas was there with Nick Moulet. Uh, Mary Marshall, Mark Anthony, my co-hostess from Edge of the Rabbit Hole, Victoria Monday, Sam Baltrusis. Carl Johnson was a huge part of it. Uh, I really, really appreciate everybody's help and participation in that, uh, Andrea Perrin and so many. But you saw there in a number of those clips uh, the connections of this energy to, to Egypt. And even as we got into uh, parts of uh, the, the Conjuring House, which we will talk about here uh, very, very soon, that there is a connection there as well. Now, there are some questions that are coming in. I'll try to get to as many as I can throughout the evening. And I, you know, feel free to ask uh, questions from any topic that we talked about this past year. Sarah Youssef always has a lot of good questions, so I, I probably will not be able to get to all of them. I'll save some for the Q&A for December. Uh, which I will do from time to time. So uh, Sarah asks here, does all energy have some sort of relationship or quantum entanglement if we all originated from the Big Bang? Uh, I could just very plainly say yes, but uh, to kind of explain, yes, since we all come from that original singularity, uh, we all have some energetic property to us that everybody's related to each other on some level. You know, we're, we are even related to uh, our sun, we're related to the other galaxies uh, around the universe. Uh, we all come from that uh, original explosion, which I believe we go back to here, the Ouroboros, uh, the idea of this constant renewal, uh, the idea of the Big Bang, Big Crunch, that there was a universe before this. You know, people ask, okay, you know, before the Big Bang, what was there? There was the universe. The universe was before that, even kind of going back to the idea of, of the matrix, how they are, you know, in yet another cycle of that, that the original cycle ended, they started another one. So yeah, this, this constant idea of refresh and renewal, we're all coming from the same thing. You hear people talk about that idea that we're all made from stardust. And it's true. You know, at one point in time, everything that was around us was floating around as, as dust in, in the solar system. And, uh, you know, you, you listen to, and you read guys like Michio Kaku and, uh, he'll even talk about how, uh, our current solar system, you know, had once been a part of likely if, as, as they've done the math and tried to figure it out. Uh, it seems like it was a part of another solar system before this. So this is really almost like our planet's second go around here, uh, which is, which is pretty interesting. So, all right, a lot to cover here, and we got about 
you know, maybe 45 minutes left in the class. So uh, we'll, we'll see where we get to with this. But uh, you saw there very, very briefly uh, part of the the Conjuring House, which was a uh, a big focus, first four episodes of the Shadow Dimension docuseries and down in that well room. So here's, here's the quote-unquote Conjuring House in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Uh, in that well room is an open well. Here's a shot looking straight down into it that has water in it. And then the, the construction of the room is as such that the walls are made of limestone and they're capped with granite blocks. So it's this perfect little power plant to kick off you know, all the things that are going on there within the house. Now, that basically supercharges it. It's not the sole reason as to why paranormal supernatural activity happens in the house, why there are UFO sightings and things like that out there, but it is, it's the thing that kind of supercharges it. So, you know, there's a lot of history with the land, you know, a lot of things going on with Native Americans. So people have uh, seen, you know, ghosts and apparitions and, and those sorts of things of Native Americans out there. So we don't really know what was there beforehand other than it was native we don't know if there's a burial ground or anything like that um no evidence yet to really show that there was that sort of thing other than they roamed and lived on the land but there is there is a history there uh there's something going on andrea talks about uh you know she just recently talked about the last time we had her on the show how you know pieces of quartz just seem to kind of come up out of the ground that happened over here at my house just before I left for there a little over a year ago uh, to, to do the filming for that. So strange, strange things like that happen there. And then that room, if, if you look at the activity of the house, not activity happens all over that house. But if you go from that well room straight up throughout the house, that seems to be the most active areas that are kind of directly tied to uh, this energetic location. And we as you watch those clips, uh, Johnny and I talked a lot about uh, you know, our ancient sites of power, uh, specifically in Egypt. And you know, we spent some time in Egypt this year, so let's go there. Uh, yeah, fantastic two weeks there. Here's, here's myself outside the Great Pyramid. Now, there's a lot of interesting ideas about the Great Pyramid being an ancient power plant. You've uh, you go through the work of Christopher Dunn, and I have two of his books sitting on the uh, bookshelf behind me. Uh, one of those is the Giza power plant. And whether you believe it was a power plant specifically or not, it was certainly something else. It was not a tomb. For one, no bodies were ever found. Um, and just the extravagance here to build something like this that could not have been built it, it was it was not built in uh, that particular king's lifetime. Uh, it, it took far too long to construct. So it just it's nonsensical. And the rooms within it, when you look, and I'm gonna uh, toss up the queen's chamber here. Now, they they call it the queen's chamber. We don't know what it was really for. But you look at that this niche in the wall and. You guys that have been with me for a while are, are quite familiar with this. I've shown it a, a couple of times this year already. But with this niche that's carved out in the wall, now mainstream, they don't know what it was for. They try to say, well, we think some sort of maybe statue or idol was there. Which, again, doesn't make a lot of sense. You have this hole that's back behind there. You can kind of see some stuff piled up in there. It's because they were going to be uh, somebody, I'm not exactly sure who, was going to be setting up some sort of uh, scientific equipment in there. And they they stacked a few things in there. And then behind where I'm taking the photo here, there are other uh, boxes and what have you. But there's a hole in that wall. To, it's one of those shafts that, that go off. Um, as you get closer, though, you can see this this scoring, this this carbon scoring. That's you know, the wall is charred; it's been burned, and you can see the rivulets within the stone. It was superheated to the point of vitrification. 
that the stone itself started melting and made these little rivulets within the stone. It's absolutely fascinating. Even if you take go back to the uh, the other photo here, you can see around the upper parts of the walls, uh, it's darkened up there. So something was burning here. Something was hot. We don't precisely know exactly what it was, but something enough that was so hot that it started to actually melt the stone. Absolutely amazing stuff. Now you go up into the king's chamber and you have this coffer that's there. Uh, you know, they some people say it's a you know a sarcophagus. Um, of course, it's heavily damaged. The the lid was never found. The corner was uh, is damaged there. It's missing. Again, no body ever found. So, what exactly happened here? What exactly was it used for? I made some interesting observations while I was there that. When I mentioned it to our guide, Mohammed Ibrahim, and you'll see Mohammed uh, throughout this evening. We're going back to, to Egypt here. And uh, I, I made this observation. He's like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, and, and Egypt is his home country, but he's been doing the tourist there for 20 years. He's like, you know, I never noticed that before. Nobody's ever said anything about it before. Nobody's made this particular observation uh, about the coffer. So, of course, we have a clip for it. We're in the king's chamber in the Great Pyramid. This is in a rose granite box that is extremely interesting. It's not sarcophagus. And what is the purpose of this thing? What discovery did you make today? Well, the discovery that we made today, we have the three holes on the backside, evenly spaced apart. They're not on the front side. This is completely flat here on the back side while we have this lid. It goes all the way around here. We don't know why it was built like that, of course, but very interesting that this is flat like that and does not have a lip like the other side. It basically suggests that there was no lid that was placed straight down. It's always more slid from the back. We don't know why the holes were All right. Johnny was taking the uh, the video there. I have two videos like that. I don't know where the second one is, but that's the one Johnny took, the one that, that I took kind of explaining it elsewhere. Kind of echoey, echoey there, so uh, I do apologize for that. Uh, Sarah asking, this is about the Queen's Chamber. Does it act like a capacitor? Well, if it was a power plant, maybe. Um, Christopher Dunn has some interesting theories as to what that chamber could have been used for to make the whole thing work. Um, so not going to get into all of his theories in, in all that this evening. Uh, definitely check out his work. It's definitely uh, worth diving into. So if the pyramids were used as power plants, as has been stipulated by, again, Christopher Dunn, many, many others believe that this may actually be the case um, or had, you know, some extra some sort of power, whether it was a communication device or, or what have you, it was something, not a tomb. What precisely could it have been used to to power or you know to help communicate? Well, one place that we examined was Hatshepsut's temple. It's a very very interesting location. It's out there near the Valley of the Kings. Uh, well, that was an extremely extremely hot day. Um, I was roasting that day. Um, yeah, I drink a lot of water when you're in Egypt. Um, I thought I was, but apparently not because by the second week I was suffering from dehydration. Of course, we were there in the middle of June. So, um, yeah, definitely that time of year, make sure you drink a lot of water. But Hatshepsut's temple, absolutely amazing location, but there. There are a lot of signs here that it was used for something extra, uh, particularly stargates. So on either side of those stairs going up, um, and I did not load up the photo that shows the, the, the snakes going up, even though it's the uh, depiction of a falcon in front now, they've been recarved from snakes into falcons. Uh, but but snakes are one of those depictions from ancient Egypt that means energy. So you would have these uh, two rows of energy going up 
into the temple. And on the side of the temple, off to that left-hand side there, you have the bare, bare remnants of a small pyramid. Now, really, all that's left is the base. There, there's nothing else left of it. We can still see remnants uh, of that base of the pyramid. So, if there's a small pyramid off to the side here next to this temple, was that perhaps powering what could potentially be a stargate? We'll, we'll show this to you here in a moment. And again, those of you who've been around for a little while will uh, will recognize this. But as you go up into the temple area, up to the stairs, there's a little courtyard, and you end up inside the the Holy of Holies. Now, yes, the Holy of Holies is not just, you know, Jewish temples. Uh, that idea, you know, basically came from the ancients. You know, Egypt was uh, using it long before uh, the Holy of Holies at the uh, Temple of Solomon. In any case, uh, outside of this Holy of Holies, you see this depiction. Now, I, I love I love the sign here that they put up. Dear tour guides, kindly don't explain inside this part. We appreciate your cooperation. Uh, they don't let the tour guides inside there, and uh, they don't want the tour guides explaining to the guest what's really going on in there. They, they leave it up to the, the guest to interpret. Uh, but above that, on the wall to the, the doorway of the Holy of Holies, you see the symbolism there for the Stargate. You see the, the, the gate symbol, and then you see the star. That's one of several different types of ways that they uh, depicted Stargates. We did a whole series on Stargates back, I think it was toward the end of the summer, because we did uh, several on Egypt. We did stuff on time travel. Uh, we did stuff on Stargates, a lot of different topics like this. This is this is truly fascinating to me, and the tour that I'm going to be doing with Mohammed is specifically focused on Stargates. We're going to be doing Stargates of, of Ancient Egypt. That's 99% sure that's what the name of the tour is going to be. There'll be more information on that uh, later. You know, beginning of the year, we'll have some information on out on that. So you have this Stargate symbolism on the doorway to the Holy of Holies. You walk into the Holy of Holies. You can only go so far. There are a couple of guys standing right there. You can't get all the way in, but Johnny got up there before we did as we were kind of off into another area of the temple. And there were some other people milling about. He ran up first before anybody else got up there. And uh, and he got in. He had to slip him a few bucks. Uh, I don't know how much he paid him, but they let him in. And inside the Holy of Holies, on the one wall, is this symbolism of all the stars inside a cartouche. And you also have these uh, these four triangular marks here, uh, top, bottom, and on either of the sides. So this is another uh, type of stargate symbolism here that we see within the uh, Temple of Hatshepsut. Now, it's not just her temple that we saw this. Uh, we saw this in several, several different places. Uh, we saw it at uh, at Edfu, which has the, the text that they don't specifically name Atlantis, but the tale that is described there at Edfu is quite similar to the Atlantis tale. So it's believed this is part of that tale from Atlantis. Uh, you also see the same thing here at, at Abydos, where you have the gate and the star, uh, the stargate symbolism, which is, uh, again, very, very interesting. So you guys have some uh, comments here. Let me take a look real quick. Uh, Sarah asking, could pyramidal shapes be important as they seem to concentrate on a certain point? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the pyramid is... Uh, extremely important in uh, in esoteric circles. We see that, well, we see pyramids throughout the world. You know, there is, there is a reason why we see them in South America, why we see them in Southeast Asia. You know, we see, we see them in, in America. You go to Cahokia. Cahokia is the largest pyramid north of Mesoamerica. That's in 
Illinois, along the uh, along the uh, Mississippi River. Uh, we, well, I'll say this: we will briefly talk about Alaska Triangle a little bit later. There's the idea of the uh, the Black Pyramid or the Dark Pyramid that's hidden under the mountains. There, it's controversial, uh, but there's also a pyramidal shape in Antarctica in a very very remote area. We only have satellite footage of it. Uh, you know, mainstream is telling us this is part of the mountain, but it looks like a per- perfect pyramid. It looks like the Great Pyramid from the sky, just black and surrounded by snow. So you see these very, uh, you know, you see this shape, this pyramid, all over the world, and they built them very, very similarly too. You you will find like the Step Pyramid of Saqqara. You'll see Step Pyramids in South America too. You know, it's it's amazing. So speaking of of pyramids, as we uh, as we continue to go on. Oh, I did want to before I get into the next part here. Uh, speaking about stargates, I did want to play Johnny's clip uh, describing stargates on Elephantine Island. Elephantine Island. I do have a video on that on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. Uh, another another fascinating location. It does have. Uh, what seems to be a stargate there. Uh, there's an amazing uh, temple that's there where you see Mayan headdresses on some of the figures. And it is also a potential resting place for a period of time of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, so love the island. Absolutely fantastic. Here is Johnny talking about stargates on Elephantine Island. We're standing in Elephantine Island here in Egypt on the Nile around Aswan and behind me is an alleged stargate. Now this was first pointed out to me by Brian Forrester who said don't you think it's interesting Johnny that here's a gate that was on some kind of energy grid where we have this whole island made of rose granite that's resonating with this kind of energy and it's almost as if during the cataclysm something was triggered on this grid or this area where the core just sort of exploded and the whole place just was decimated. This Look at this. When you look up at this thing, it's been pieced together, but something came through here that was so powerful that it blew the whole place to pieces. And I mean, we see all kinds of magnificent structures made of granite over there. Now, again, why is that significant? Well, rose granite and granite are contained with silica, which is where we get silicon microchips from which are a great insulator and conductor of electromagnetic energy and of course when we see why that's important to this place it was literally loaded with energy lastly one of the kings who was obsessed with stargates and actually had it in front of his names was topmost the third and of course we see his temple and his fingerprint right next to this site and we know who's fascinated by Elephantine Island. Check it out. Yeah, so the temple that's basically right down the hill from that structure, the one that I was talking about before with the uh, the figure with the Mayan headdresses, uh, and then under that temple uh, is, is where they believe that the Ark of the Covenant was stored for time. That, that's uh, Temple of Tutmos. So, uh, and then there are images of Hathor in there as well. So... Uh, amazing, amazing island. Uh, can't wait to get back there. There's just so much that's there. But you hear Johnny talking a lot about the uh, the silica, or really the the quartz that's within uh, a lot of these different stones. When we talk about granite, that as one granite that's there is 55% quartz. So more than half of it is made of quartz. And you know we use quartz in our electronics. So these become major conductors of electricity. And we see that stone being used throughout uh, so many of these temples, even temples there that are just, they're mostly made of limestone, which still has you know some of those properties, not as much as the granite. The threshold of those temples out there are still made of granite uh, for whatever reason, maybe they couldn't get enough granite down there or what have you, don't know. But even those temples that are more of limestone, you still see, uh, the granite thresholds. So, uh, you know, very, very interesting how they use that in their structures. Now, 
as we're talking about Stargates here, uh, Stargates being, again, part of that, one of those strange things that, you know, we've seen it in our pop culture, of course, you know, straight up the movie Stargate, we see the idea of wormholes, the Einstein-Rosen bridge, you know, all of these different fascinating concepts to connect ourselves to the rest of the universe, you know, plug us into the matrix, right? There's one that we can't get to right now that uh, is called, uh, it's the area is called Egypt's Area 51. And it's believed that there is an active Stargate there that uh, they have been able to turn it on. And they talk about this Aurora Borealis that, uh, that surrounds it on the ground. So if you can imagine that, an Aurora type anomaly on the ground, that is an active Stargate. So take the lights that are going on behind me that have put that I've put up for the festive holiday purposes. This is going on within that, uh, that area. So where this is at, uh, it's over by the, the bent pyramid. So here's a, here's a photo of the bent pyramid. This is the first pyramid that we checked out, uh, during that, uh, that tour, uh, in front of the bent pyramid is the red pyramid. And I'm pointing these both out to you for, for a reason, but, uh, in these couple of other snapshots here, so behind Mohammed there, you see a fence. And I'll throw up another photo here. Uh, this is just a, a tiny pyramid behind the bent pyramid. And, you know, you see uh, it's might be difficult to see, but there is a, a fence beyond that. Well, beyond that fence there is this Egyptian military area that they call Egypt's Area 51. Now, I, I love the synchronicity of the universe because earlier today, um, Mohammed, on his Guide of Egypt group that he has, it was it was somebody else's post that he had uh, shared into the group because these were historic photos of that area that you can't get to anymore. Uh, I mean, unless you, or I guess... Uh, somebody of the Egyptian military and you're able to, you know, flash the right pass or whatever. We can't get in there. These were historic photos Muhammad shared into there and, and they're quoting Muhammad as far as talking about uh, Egypt's Area 51. Uh, and I had, I had never seen these before, uh, but I'll go ahead and throw these up here now. And, you know, these are, these, these are like almost a hundred years old. Um, absolutely fascinating. So you're, you were able to go down into this, you know, large cavernous area. Uh, you see these different structures that are here, uh, these large stone blocks. Then there are these like oval and circular, uh, areas that are within here. Some other yeah, you know, I'm not even sure what that is. That's some sort of altar over there. It's it's hard to tell, but it's huge. And see, there's there's that oval basin again, whatever in the world that is. But you look at it, and that one that one structure looks like an altar, and then there's this oval basin uh, in front of it. You know, all these other uh, niches and carves and carvings. The thing I'm not seeing here. I'm not seeing any hieroglyphs and that's, excuse me, had to sneeze there. Um, And that's interesting to me because the older structures there in Egypt, like the pyramids, you know, Great Pyramid does not have any hieroglyphs on it. The... Great Sphinx, no hieroglyphs. The Dream Stella in front of it, yes, but that was added later. So these older structures in Egypt don't have the hieroglyphs. That dates them even further back, before the dynastic Egyptians. And there is a... uh, There's that... I don't want to say belief, because we know it's been said, where the dynastic Egyptians did not build that they found it and then repurposed it for themselves so this could very well have been here as well that this predates the dynastic egyptians 
And I pointed out the, the bent in the red pyramids to you because in the background here, you can actually see them in this particular photo. So you see this large, I mean, it's straight cut into the rock, uh, this long, I don't want to call it a shaft, but it's kind of like a canyon, a man-made canyon that takes you down into these other rooms. Uh, but you can see beyond there, those two pyramids, the red pyramid and uh, the bent pyramid. Now, again, you can no longer get into here. And from what I've heard, some people are saying that they have filled it with trash now as well. So there's some people saying that they've opened a Stargate there. Other people saying they've just put trash in there. I find it hard to believe that they would fill it up with trash. Something to do more research on for sure, but uh, absolutely fascinating historic photos. So uh, again, a little synchronicity of, of the universe that as I'm going to go and talk about this sort of thing this evening, there are these magnificent historic photos that come to light. Uh, so again, as we continue on connecting the dots, you guys know that I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last week. I think I've talked about it um, probably half the episodes that we've done since the summer. Victoria was kind of giving me a little bit of a, a hard time about it last week. She's, she was like, you're going to talk about the swirls, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the swirls. Of course, that's all a part of this. So this swirl pattern, this is on some uh, ancient Egyptian pottery. This one, this particular piece is actually at the Nubian Museum. Uh, but we see this circular swirl pattern on this vase. And we see this same pattern throughout the world. And the one that I love is, is Chaco Canyon. I've, I've fell in love with Chaco Canyon long ago. Always wanted to go there. Finally got there a couple of years ago. And you see that same swirl pattern out there. Now, a lot of people believe this symbolism is referring to uh, some sort of portal activity, some sort of gateway activity. Could it be a stargate? Uh, when we look at this piece from Chaco Canyon, this is in relation to the uh, the star people that they believed in, the ancient Pueblans. They, they believed in the star people. This is telling the story of the star people, and they're using these different swirl patterns uh, to tell the story, which, again, we see here in ancient Egypt. We see it used in Sardinia. We, we see it in Sardinian architecture as well. I, I don't have the, the photo up here, but when you look at their, their ancient structures, they were all done in the circles. And it made its own uh, type of pattern, uh, swirl pattern. We see it as well in Newgrange. So we'll be going to Ireland here uh, next year, July 1st through the 9th. And we were talking about this last week when we talked about the connections between ancient Egypt and Ireland. So again, you know, next year as we're going to Ireland, all is connecting. It's connecting from Ireland back to Egypt, Egypt connecting to all other different parts of the world. And one of the you know interesting uh, depictions that I've seen is because this all goes back to Atlantis. Uh, one of the more interesting depictions that I've seen is that of the Jewish menorah, that if you take the idea of, of Atlantis, where you had all the concentric circles and then the, uh, basically the one, uh, strip of water to connect to the ocean. So you had the straight line and then the circles again, sorry, I don't have the photo for this one, uh, but basically you cut that in half and boom, you have the menorah. So what are those fun, interesting uh, little things when you look at uh, ancient symbolism. But this all connects back to the idea of uh, the ancient civilization of Atlantis. Again, not just a city. You know, there there was sure a, a capital city. And I've even speculated here that the, the temple on the center island of Atlantis uh, very likely had some sort of uh, portal or stargate there. Uh, you know, was that part of their, was that part of their doom? Did that play into whatever it was that, that happened to this ancient civilization? 
Now the Atlanteans, their civilization stretched uh, across the world. It wasn't just one particular city. They had colonies all over that were you know, influenced by their culture. So another place where we see this type of gateway, stargate, portal, we talked about this on the Alaska Triangle. So here we have the missing Douglas airplane flying through the portal to nowhere. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I was taking a look at a couple of the, the comments here. Uh, Tom, sorry, your connection is freezing there. And then Sarah, I'll, I'll answer the uh, Bent Pyramid question during the uh, December Q&A since we've kind of moved from that. Uh, all right, so we have the missing Douglas airplane here. Very, very sad and tragic tale of, because 44 passengers on this airplane, 1950, takes off from uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base, routine mission, skies are fairly clear, and then all of a sudden, as it's nearing snag in Yukon territory, boom, you know, lost communication, never found the plane, never heard from again. Now, just before and just after this disappearance, there were UFO sightings. So some people believe that the uh, the disappearance was connected to some sort of UFO activity that you know maybe these guys uh, got abducted. I do like the idea of them disappearing into a portal into some other dimension. That's one I forgot to, that's one I forgot to play was, um, we'll play it here. It, we'll play it here in a minute. Um, an, another clip I have, I had several clips to, to play for you guys. Um, in any case, the idea that they slipped into some other dimension and went elsewhere um, you know, I believe that they could have possibly gone back into time. And, and the reason why I end up, you know, I, I've postulated that one is, you know, you hear these uh, stories from you know, the ancient natives of that area. They talk about the Thunderbirds and how loud they were and spitting fire and uh, just how huge they were. And if you think about a, uh, you know, an airplane in context, to somebody from say 500 years ago in that area, they're going to have no idea what an airplane was. What are they going to relate it to? Well, you know, they're going to say this is some sort of giant bird, you know, thunder, lightning, all this stuff. So that could be where some of these Thunderbird legends come from, or you know, some sort of time slip that they've witnessed. Uh, you know, Bruce Gurney was also featured on the Alaska Triangle, even though. His story takes place in the Bermuda Triangle because he actually went through something very, very similar to this, uh, where he went through this tunnel. The, the clouds had swirled all around. He went into the tunnel, came out on the other side just a couple minutes later, and he had basically flown 100 miles. Suddenly, the city of Miami was below him. So it could very well be something like that. Um, this is where we get into time travel. We have talked about time travel on this show numerous times. And this is where I get into my stack time theory. The idea of, you know, every moment, you know, just take the place you're sitting in. Every moment in what we would call time, past, present, future, is like its own photograph. And you stack up those photos. And for whatever reason, sometimes, whether they're resonating at a different level, different frequency, uh, just at this, and they, they resonate the same for just a brief moment, and we're able to see maybe an apparition or something else happen that's just out of place, and you're like, well, what was that? You might see, you know, like the apparition of a Victorian woman, and she turns and looks at you as if you're the ghost. Well... It's not quote unquote paranormal. It's not really a ghost. You're actually witnessing another point in time, you know, something like the Versailles time slip where the, you know, two women walk through the grounds of Versailles and suddenly they see, you know, a, 
in a visage like something out of the French Revolution. Uh, you know, absolutely amazing stories that, that people have, have witnessed. I'm kind of hurrying up here because we don't have a significant uh, amount of time. But um, this is where I naturally start talking about the story at Johnny V's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. The shadow entity that was that I witnessed there heard it blowing through that door, but the door didn't open how wide all of that happened. And I believe what had happened was a, you know, I witnessed something from another dimension. You know, we talked earlier uh, when I showed the shadow dimension clips, you know, interdimensional beings that this being was in another dimension at the time that I saw. And so when it hit that door, you know, on its plane of existence, that the physical door probably blew right open, but I'm on my own plane of existence my door would not have opened. However, sound works at a different, uh, it's on a different wavelength, it's on a different frequency. And so I was able to hear that crossover from the dimension, from the other dimension, but I couldn't see the door open. So kind of almost going back to the, uh, the missing Douglas, the uh, radio transmissions that were captured later on, they were, they were garbled, couldn't really make a whole lot of sense of it. Again, plane never found, but people believe that those transmissions came from uh, the other side of that portal, from that other dimension. So I will go ahead and play this clip from Muhammad because we've kind of, again, kind of come full circle again into shadow phenomena as we're, we're talking about the shadows there uh, at Johnny V's. And I had a chance to talk to Muhammad a little bit. Uh, Johnny recorded this clip of us conversing by the Red Pyramid about the Egyptian beliefs of shadow entities. I will apologize for the sound quality. Johnny recorded it on his phone and it was a bit windy. I tried to clean it up as much as I could. Uh, this is something that I want to include in Shadow Dimension Season 2. I have never aired this clip until now. Represented as a bird, like the barber. Yes, exactly. Leaves to the sky, and after reaching certain level, it will become a light. Okay. okay. Under this level, still bar. After that level, which sometimes we call it the seventh sky, sky number seven. Okay. It will be uh, ah. Uh, so yes, I agree with you that uh, the uh, elements of the uh, human being, the mankind. Uh, Five and could extend to seven. Okay. Okay. But the, the story of the shadow is very interesting. And I, by the way, maybe not, this is not relative much, that the word shadow is in ancient Egypt, we call it shadow. Shadow. With D. D. But I agree it is shadow box shadow. We read it wrongly. Because sometimes D replaced T and T replaces D. Okay, so the ancient Egyptian got it right, and uh, when they talk about the, uh, the journey, the afterlife, they call it the Duat land, okay, which is not necessarily uh, a place, uh, dark place under the ground, no, it's a place in the, uh, outside the planet, on the space, uh, another dimension. Exactly. All right, you see, we end it right there, talking about uh, another dimension. So these these different parts of the soul we've talked about it before, and we're talking about it right there, the different parts of the soul that the ancient Egyptians believed in. So uh, those other parts of the soul, the shadow staying here on earth, those other parts of the soul going off to another dimension. So we are going to have to start wrapping it up here. Uh, so there are some things that, uh, that I won't be able to really get into and, and show. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, shadow experience at the uh, Colonel Everett Davis building, the Alcom building at Elmendorf Air Force Base, part of the Alaska Triangle. Uh, so, you know, of course, uh, the, the second season of the Alaska Triangle television show, which I was a part of, 
uh, four episodes season, well, three episodes, season one, one episode, season two. So total of four episodes. Um, the shadow story is actually part of the book, Alaska's mysterious triangle, which was released a couple months ago. And then we were going to kind of end that off with the, uh, you know, the last project here, who saw the men in black, which, uh, Darcy Weir, who was our guest last night on edge of the rabbit hole. Uh, he released this, uh, last month. Uh, you can catch that on Amazon and all kinds of, uh, other streaming, uh, platforms, but, uh, interviewing me about my experiences at, uh, at NSA, as well as, uh, the story of Albert K. Bender, which is another interesting story. Don't have time for the whole thing, but depending on which way you look at it, you know, was it a, were these those the paranormal shadow entities? Were these extraterrestrials? Were these what people call the men in black? Could be, you know, any one of these. And, you know, as we go through any of this, it always seems like these type of people come out of the woodwork to try to thwart our research. You know, we'll start going down that rabbit hole and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody pops up, uh, you know, they're, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, rears their, their ugly head or evil head or whatever, but um, it just seems like all of a sudden somebody gets in the way or stops you or, you know, all of a sudden access has been removed. It it's always seems to be something like that. Uh, you know, even when we were in the Great Pyramid, there were certain things that I was not allowed to record and do within there because they didn't want that you know, leaking out into the public because there, there's, there's a narrative that is being told. And if you go against that narrative, somebody's going to stop you or at least try to stop you. And that's where these men in black seem to come into play. You know, almost like going back to the matrix, almost like the agents in the matrix. Now they're not chasing you down and shooting you down and things like that, but they are still preventing you from or at least trying to prevent you from revealing that truth. You know, what is the truth? What is the matrix? So all these fascinating connections that we have in our universe, we have explored a lot, a lot this year. Um, so uh, Dina Luna, uh, thank you for, for joining us. Um, is that a statue in the rectangle step down? Looks like a... Um, I'll have to go back and see which one you're referring to, but um, thank you for joining us this evening. So, you know, any questions, additional questions that you have, uh, please go ahead. You can put them here, put them in the Connected Universe group that we have. I'm going to be collecting any more questions uh, from uh, this class and for the month, for the December Q&A video that I will put out here. Uh, before the the end of December, and that will be posted on the Connected Universe Portal website, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Uh, for those that are not yet members of the Connected Universe Portal, a 30-day free trial uh, for those listening later. Uh, please join us, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Uh, not only do you get access to the live presentation of this interactive class, but you also get uh, a plethora of you know other uh, video features, you know, the entire, uh, travel blog as well as, I mean, there's, there's over 10 hours of video footage, uh, concerning Egypt that's out there. Uh, we also have, you know, the shadow entities course is now out there, uh, you know, all kinds of other special features, all kinds of articles. Uh, please join us if you have not yet for everyone else. Uh, absolutely enjoy your holiday season. Sarah's asking for any sneak peeks into January. So January, um, I have a lot of recording to do for audiobooks. Uh, I've, I mentioned that on the morning mug yesterday. I don't know if anybody had a chance to uh, really watch it yet uh, because I really kind of posted it late. But uh, yeah, recording audiobooks. And also I will be filming middle of January. So I'll have more information on that coming out soon as well. So, all right, everybody, enjoy your holiday season. We will see you again in January. I will post some, some content out there in the connecteduniverseportal.com, but this is our last interactive class for Wednesday nights until January 12th.
wealth. Again, everybody, enjoy your holiday season. Until next time.